everyone, and welcome back to the 11th episode of Grace. I'm currently whispering because everyone in my house is asleep. But anyhow, once again, we have a cracker of an episode lined up for you all. We're going to talk about Lent. We've got another power parable lined up. But to start things off, we have an interview with the seminarian that will be joining us this year in the parish, Ian. Okay. We're here joined now uh, with one of our new additions to the parish is, of course, Ian. Ian, how are you? I'm very well today. Very well. It's good. Always good. Uh, For the people who haven't seen you uh, around at Mass or haven't had the chance to meet you, you're a seminarian, right? Yes, I am. I'm a fifth-year seminarian and um, um, I'm studying for the Diocese of Broken Bay. Cool. Uh, This is my fifth year. Wow, fifth year. It's intense. Let's backtrack a bit. You have family? Do you have family here? Um, all of my family members are in Vietnam. Okay. Um, so only me and my younger sister are overseas. Right. I have eight siblings. Eight myself. siblings? Wow. Yeah. I'm a younger, uh, second youngest son in the family. Wow. Um, I have one younger sister. And and you were telling me you, you grew up on a farm, is it? Uh, yes, I was. I was born in a farmer family. Um, I remember every day after school, we went to the farm and uh, we were helping out my parents. Right, yeah. So I spent time a lot in um, the rice field and others, fruit, our veggies, our gardens. Yeah, I see. Because we um, sort of like um, very close to the river. So, right. So variety of animals and fish and birds. Cool. Um, I was told that your home parish before coming to think in Carlingford was St. Leonard's. Uh, yeah, we call actually Lao Nosho, uh, which is a combination of three churches. Um, uh, Narimba, we call St. Leonard's, uh, St. Thomas's Willoughby, and St. Philip Neary at Northbridge. Yeah. So three in one. Yeah. Plus a hospital. Ah, uh, yes. We go to Lao Nosho Hospital. So always, always uh, I'm led to believe you, you played organ or you practice the organ at St. Leonard's is, is that right? Ah uh, yeah so from my um, uh, humble knowledge in guitar playing so I transferred to playing a little keyboard and last year when the seminary they like a um, organist so I just jumped in and I practiced playing the organ and um, fortunately when I get back to the home parish they got a very beautiful organ in the church so I yeah. get practice. Do you use the do you use the pedals of the organ? I started to to use yeah, the pedals that's, because that's it makes it beautiful. I think it makes the sound more fuller. Yeah, I think the ba- I like the bass sounds. It's oh. like the soul of a band. Yeah. 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 What, what's your favorite type of music? Well, um, I would say I like pop. Um, actually, playing guitar for others to sing, um, doing party or you know some camping trips, things like that. But when I was by myself, uh, I playing some acoustic or fingerstyle, yeah, guitar mm-hmm. songs, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, one question I wanted to ask, uh, like being a seminarian, mm-hmm. what's what's the best thing do you think about being a seminarian? Um, wow, a very interesting question. I think for the last five years and beyond that, like, since I joined the seminary, um, I think I changed quite a lot when I reflected 
uh, on my life as seminarian so far. Um, I would say, like being here at the moment, I'm still discerning my about my vocation and right. uh, just priesthood. And I think every day is an opportunity for me to uh, to get deeper, or uh, in a sense, and getting to know people. Um, I get more f- more friends and uh, relations since I am. Um, the seminary, so I think it's very uh, open um, opportunity for me to to get deepen into my vocation and the meaning what uh, which I have been searching. Yeah. I see. What's one thing you're looking forward to about uh, being in the parish? Um, well, this year actually the um, pastoral year, so I got full year, as you know, in the parish up at Pinkellingford. So basically, I'm looking forward to. Uh, working with p- people and journeying, and also when reaching out to people uh, and accompanying with people, I also deepen experience and deepen my vocation as seminarian, um, and on the vocation to priesthood. So that's what I aiming for, and just being out there and expose myself to different um, uh, contexts, so that I can enrich and somehow also contribute myself to the life of the parish here. Sweet. Did you did you know any people from that thing Carlingford before you came? Because uh, we had a seminary before called Martino. Ah, yeah. Actually, Martino is my mate. Um, we were in the same year. So he's now also in his pastoral placement. Right, yeah. Um, and through him, I also got, you know, some parishioners here, like um, the sacramental coordinator, Linsell. Um, yeah. So. Nice. Martino, when he was on, I uh, said he was a, a soccer fan, a soccer player. Are you, you yourself? Are you a Actually, back in Vietnam, I, Vietnamese love soccer, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> but for me, yeah, Martino is very good. For me, he's a professional. <laughs> While I'm just a fan um, of soccer, uh, I can play, um, but not that very well. Yeah. I support, yeah. I support. And I used to watch um, um, Premier League uh, or Champions League. So that's my fav- favorite team is Barcelona and uh, Arsenal. Right, right. I don't, I don't know, uh, Ian, I think you're very, very modest. I saw you playing some soccer on the Antioch retreat a couple of days ago. <laughs> I just like had <laughs> quite, a, quite a bit of skills. <laughs> well, I just challenged myself a little bit. <laughs> I see. I see. <laughs> you yourself, what would you say your favorite sport is? Well, I would say my favorite one would be ping pong. Ping pong? Table tennis. See? There's a there's a um a table I'm meant to believe in the, the meeting room. Yeah, I heard of it. It's across the room. I haven't yeah. got a chance yet. <laughs> see, I see. Oops. Try that out. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. You got a good surf ping pong? Oh well, um I was really competitive. Oh okay. yeah. yeah, but <laughs> but I'm more about um yeah. Sometimes I can do the defense and then smash. <laughs> oh. I yeah. see. I see. I'm a bit scared. I now. want to make a surprise when the opponent went away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see. We'll have to have a game. We'll have to have a game. Yeah. Anyways, so Ian, mm-hmm. it's been a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm sure you listener. Listeners out there uh, enjoyed it as much as I did, the insight into him and what he's here to do. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. Lovely to be here with you. <laughs> yeah. 
keep up the good work. Hi and welcome everybody to the Power Parable segment in which we read a parable together and then answer a few questions. So in today's segment, we're going to be looking at the very famous parable of the Good Samaritan. And while I'm sure many of you may have heard some variant of this parable before, I think it has a really beautiful message that resonates with everyone, especially during these hard times. So I hope that you will enjoy reading this with me. And if you'd like to read along on your Bibles, it is Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Now, Megan, what's a Samaritan? So essentially, the Samaritans were another race of people and basically they were not really considered by the Jews to be on equal standing. They were considered to not be that genteel. So I guess this will be a quick little intro question, but do you feel that in your lives there are people who may be perceived as Samaritans in your day-to-day life? While you guys uh, mule over that question, let's start and take a look at the parable. So here we go. The parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on to the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. That is a beautiful parable. It's It really is such a clear representation of how we should act. God tells us what the most important commandments are and it gives us a pretty clear parable. Yes, exactly. So I guess on, on that vein, 
here are some questions for all of you to think about and maybe for you to answer as well, Dan. Uh, so the first question is, how can we all express more compassion and care for one another? The second question is, is the Good Samaritan another way of showing how Jesus loved? And the last question, um, which is similar to the question I asked earlier, I ask you all to take a look at the characters in the story, the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, and the man who was beaten. Who do you think these people might be today? Hello, I am Alison Wright and I am a member of Antioch who recently was bestowed with the responsibility of leading Antioch's annual retreat. In case you didn't know, Antioch is our parish youth group for teenagers and young adults who want to learn more about the Catholic faith. So we meet weekly for talks, music and prayer and a staple of our group is an annual outreach retreat or weekend which is devoted to an intensive period of like faith-based talks to enable attendees to like grow in their knowledge of the Christian faith. The retreat typically features music, meditation and talks and discussion. So there's a lot to pack in there. We aim for our talks to be suitable for everyone from total newbies to well-seasoned Catholics, aspiring that everyone is able to take something away with them. Every annual retreat has a different theme and our theme this year was Connect. We pitched it as a sort of rebound from the isolation and loneliness that many of us suffered last year. Between COVID and all of the other major events last year, it was really easy to get caught up into the despair and like chaos of the world. And I know that at least for myself, this led me to neglect the one thing that could give me peace. And that was my relationship with God. So coming into 2021, we really wanted to connect with each other and our faith. And it was Antioch's prayer that our theme of connect could like re-establish relationships that suffered during lockdown, encourage new friendships and just to reignite our passion for Christ. This retreat is the main gateway by which we gain new members and this year we searched high and low to find some open-minded individuals to come along. We had a really good turnout of 15 recruits and among them there is a lovely boy named Jack who I will be talking to soon. Hello Mr Jack Kelleher who Hi. we are joined um, by on this lovely um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Ash Wednesday evening. Um, I know you recently attended the Antioch retreat. How was it? It was fantastic. How was the food? Even better. I know, exactly. And the did you try the um, egg custard tart? That was what I enjoyed. That was my biggest regret. I didn't have that. It's okay. It ended up being my biggest regret as well because I'm lactose intolerant and I'm pretty sure the custard had dairy. This probably isn't podcast appropriate, but it's okay. But I felt a bit sick, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I All the other food made me, yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah. I hope those ladies come back next year. Yeah, me too. They're they were really sweetie nice. pies, yeah. Anyway, Jack, we better discuss some more serious questions so I know you recently attended the Antioch retreat. How exactly did you wind up there? Well, my mum sort of pushed me to go because she knew about it. And I, I'm really glad that she did because it was it was wonderful. It was really good. Oh, perfect. So did you make any friends? Yes, I did. Many, many friends. Many friends. That's nice. So what was your favourite part of the retreat? Maybe it was the talks or games or... Um, just talking to everyone, I think. Just connecting with everyone and just... Meeting new people was so much fun. 
what did you is there anything you took from the talks in particular that you can remember just a lot about being closer to god and praying more you know when you when you feel like oh when you're down or something and you feel like you want to talk to god yeah i felt yeah it was just really good talking to people about that and yeah, yeah 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 um i like i know i personally found it is a lot different to hear from people my own age with like yeah. similar experiences did, so did you feel that there was an extra element of like relatability or i don't know how else you might describe it but yeah definitely yeah it was, it was yeah people my age and you know just talking about it and connecting was really good another thing that um our listeners might not know we did is um we did have some prayer prompts during shared prayer just some laminated quotes and bible verses so is there anything you could remember about those prompts maybe one you would like to share um yeah i remember the one that i got it had a very nice quote on it called it said um not all storms come to disrupt your life some come to clear your path which is really beautiful i think yeah i i definitely agree because i i picked all of them but <laughs> yeah um is there any highlights of the retreat that you could maybe remember um just playing games where we played a lot of games um lots of fun games and uh like in our little share groups we just had lots of nice chats and yeah it was great to just talk and open up to some people that I only just met it was really nice is there anything you could pinpoint because I know the retreat has like a like special way of like bringing people together that maybe you haven't talked to or haven't met before but yeah 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 um yeah, it was great to yeah meet so many people and then yeah one thing I really really enjoyed was the share groups that was really good because it was you know she had we had questions and we just had to you know sort of just think in the moment and then say it. Oh yeah, so um I noticed you mentioned share groups. Could you explain to our listeners what share groups are and why we do them? Oh yeah, it was share groups was had um so we would attend a talk and then we would come back and there would be a set of questions about the talk. And, you know, just some other questions and then we would sort of just talk about it and discuss it and then, yeah, answer it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was so, really good. Yeah, I, I like, I find that a special part of the, like, retreat as well to, like, hear some, like, new and, like, maybe different perspective yeah. from, like, our peers and then be able to think about it, digest it with some other people and then think about, like, oh, well, now that we know this, where to from here? But yeah, you, you don't have to do that by yourself. You can discuss it with like other people. True. Yeah. 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 I think so. It was. It was really. It was really good. <laughs> so, Jack, are we going to be seeing you anytime soon back at Antioch? Yes, definitely. I loved it. Maybe perhaps at the barbecue. Yes, definitely. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Me. Me too. I think. I think a lot of people are. It was good. Really good. Yeah. It was good. It's fantastic. As we know, Lent is well upon us. If you listened to last time's podcast, you would know that some of the major features that we look at is that of almsgiving, fasting, and prayer. There are many beautiful prayers that we can say, uh, and so I'm not going to tell you any of them. That's going to be for a later podcast, sorry. But I do want to talk a bit about fasting. Fasting is the thing that stands out to me when I think of Lent. It's fasting is the thing you give up or it's the thing you no longer do to show that you've, you know, made some sort of commitment. Now, when I was younger, I would tend to make big, generalized, massive declarations of things I'm going to do. And then 
slowly they would erode and erode and erode until eventually uh, nothing really got done. It was a bit sad. Uh, so I want to give a couple different things that uh, Pope Francis, the Papa, says that we should try fast from. So Pope Francis says we should fast from hurting words and say kind words. Fast from sadness and be filled with gratitude. Fast from anger and be filled with patience. Fast from pessimism and be filled with hope. Fast from worries and have trust in God. Now that's lovely and I really do like that. Let's say you want to take uh, take your fasting one step further. Uh, here is some creative fasting ideas you could do. One I never thought of before is that of doing cold showers. So it's not giving up showers at all because that's a sacrifice for the people around you. Uh, but doing cold showers is denying yourself that that pleasure of having, say, a hot bath. Uh, it's instead focusing on a little bit of pain and a little bit of sacrifice, which is nothing compared to what the early church had to go through. It could be giving up your early morning coffee. It could be giving up your early morning or putting cream and sugar in your coffee. One additional bonus fast, bonus fast right now, is uh, this is really extreme. Some people have recommended, if you really want to go all out, there were these priests, I believe in Vietnam, I could be horribly mistaken, but that's fine. And they actually suggested that one day a week, cut out your diet to nothing but bread and water. It puts you in, in the mindset of people around the world who don't have the luxuries we do. People who are unable to have anything except bread and water. By putting yourself in their shoes, we are able to see just how powerless we are compared to the majesty of God and hopefully appreciate the good things he puts in our lives a little bit more. When you give these things up, we should do so uh, without drawing that much attention to it. So don't not have your coffee in the morning and then be really painful for everyone around you. Because again, that's not you really sacrificing. That's everyone else sacrificing because of your decisions. Whatever decision you make, whether it be giving up social media, giving up Netflix, giving up that early morning coffee, or giving up just maybe sleeping in that extra five minutes, try to do so as much as possible with an open and loving heart. Because then you are giving to God and not giving for your own gratification. So today, ladies and gentlemen, we are recording. We're talking a little bit about cheese. Cheese. Tell me a bit about cheese, buddy. You've got your Swiss, you've got your cheddar, you've got your camembert. I mean, like, there's a hierarchy. What's on the top of your hierarchy? The top of my cheese hierarchy. If I had to, if I had to pick a number one cheese, the top brass, the, the big cheese, if you please, uh, the best cheese that exists is definitely, like, a double brie. Absolutely. Double brie. Double brie. Okay, because explain to me the difference between double, triple... And single brie? Uh, well, <laughs> single brie is still looking for love. It's it's out there. It's <laughs> it's searching all the way around to see if it can find other brie's to hang out with. Double brie is it's more complex, right? It's actually not triple brie. It goes uh, single brie, double brie, queen brie, and then king brie. <laughs> That's not true, by the way. I honestly don't know the difference between single and double brie. I think it's, it's the part. It's to do with the process, right? I would have to do something with the process. Like yes, it's just double whipped. It must be double whipped, but it just sounds more, um, it sounds better. It sounds like it's more refined because it's double brie. Like extra virgin olive oil. Like that sounds much better. I mean, that is better because it is like the first press, but the name makes it sound like. Hence the printing press. The best thing in the world. Hence the printing press. (laughs) 
So you had a good joke earlier. Would you like to share it with the class? Oh, you didn't record that? I oh, record it, bummer. Okay. Cheese is the best invention since the Gutenberg printing press. More like the Gutenberg printing press. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those biblical scholars are going to be so disappointed. <laughs> so anyway, tell us more about your favourite type of cheese. Mm. Okay. I'm saying this while eating cheese and crackers, of course. Of course. I actually really am content with a good cheddar cheese. How so? It's just, it's full of saltiness. It just it never disappoints. It's great with a cracker. Okay, you can have camembert, you can have blue cheese, but cheddar will just, ah. Uh, it's, it's, it's an all-rounder. It's, it's an all-rounder. It's the, it uh, just hits the spot when you need that cheesiness yeah. in your mouth. It's the jack of all trades. Although, to be fair, blue cheese is, is second best. Blue cheese is pretty good. Cheese. I think blue cheese, when I first had it, I must admit, it's all moldy and whatnot. It does it does scare you a little bit. I find the more, uh, like, people with very refined palates can have, like, more and more blue cheese. It is an acquired taste. It's an acquired taste. And I'm not sure if it should be acquired. Um, <laughs> it just looks like it's unhealthy for you, you know? Because like, of the mold? Yeah, like the mold. I don't, I don't trust anything that's that's moldy. Even like mushrooms, obviously aren't mold. They're a fun, they're a fungus, different thing. But like mushrooms, when you first look at it, all kids are like suspicious of mushrooms, right? Or at least I was, because mushrooms are like you look at them and they're like this is the thing growing in the ground that my parents told me don't eat or I'll die. Right. But and then when it's on the plate, they're like, no, eat your vegetables. Yeah. So, ugh, just such a contradiction. It's not a vegetable, mum. It's a multicellular <laughs> organism. <laughs> anyway, cheeses though, che- cheddar cheese. Very good. Double brie, very, very good. Camembert feels creamier. Camembert does feel a bit creamier. Can mm. we can we pick the middle, man? Can can we see a height's eye? Can you change my mind? Can we uh, pick, uh, like, camembert as our cheese of the day? Look, I feel like if you're making a good pizza, you need camembert cheese on there. It distinguishes between your good, your, like, average Italian pizza, and then just goes French, and you add camembert, and it's just... Hmm. How do you say camembert in French? Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to figure that out. Camembert. Camembert. Oof. Yeah. That does sound mm. very good. Mm. I was going to say mozzarella is like the top pizza cheese. Uh, mozzarella? I don't know. But like not, not the che- mozzarella you get in your packet it calls, right? The, the, the plastic back of 395 one. The shredded uh, one. The shredded one. It's the authentic big chunker, big hunk of mozzarella, like the size of, like the size of your fist. Chuck that on a pizza. Beautiful. Right, what's that competition where you have to roll down a hill? No, no. There's a cheese rolling down a hill, and you have to chase it. Yes. And they all like it's a really steep hill, and people die from this competition. Uh-huh. Do you know what that what that's called? I don't. Or where? Uh, it's, I don't know what it is, but I do know what the prize for it is. I think you just get the big cheese. You just get the cheese. Yeah. Which is tells you something beautiful because it tells you that cheese is so valuable and so worthwhile that people are literally willing to risk their lives. It's just loved. It is loved. And if that's not the best food type, I don't know what is. <laughs> this is Cheese Talk. Thank you for listening. Time for riddles. Here's a cool riddle I heard the other day. And by heard, I mean I looked it up frantically before leaving my house today. Um, here it goes. So Sally was a young lady who was loved by everyone in the town. She had two particular suitors. There was Dennis, and he was the doctor. And there was obviously Simon the baker. And so Simon loved uh, Sally. What was her name? <laughs> so, so Sally called yeah that was what she was called Sally, by a friend Sally, Sally. Simon loved Sally very very much and so he really really wanted to uh, win her over so every day he'd go and bake her beautiful cakes and beautiful breads and all these sort of things and so every day she thought she was going to go for the doctor uh, but she kept going for Simon instead because he kept buying her stuff 
uh, as every good relationship, of course, is of built course. on sweets and gifts. Uh, and cheese. And cheese, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so Simon always wanted to propose, but in order to propose, he had to go to the, the town next door, which was uh, over seven days trip away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he had to go and leave her for a whole week. And he knew that if, uh, if he left her for seven whole days, uh, the doctor, Dennis, would come and swoop in and steal Sally away. And so... The riddle is, what gift would the baker give to Sally to keep uh, Dennis away from her? No, here's the thing. You don't bake it for Sally. You bake it for Dennis and then Dennis is distracted. And then you have cheese on there and then he's occupied for seven days. I like that. Mm. I thought you were going to go slightly more macabre. I thought it was going to be like, <laughs> you, you make him quite sick. You just bake him. Oh, well, I mean, that works too. You know, I hear fungi is not that great if you know what to find No, it. no. That's <laughs> how you should eat mushrooms, but I don't know. Um, you could do that. Now- is that your final answer? Bake something for Dennis? Yes. Oof, that's they a really say, good answer. They say keep your enemies closer, so, you know. I, I like that. You know, I'll accept that answer. Okay. Does anyone want If you have a idea of what your answer is, pause the video now. Welcome back. So, in fact, the riddle's answer is Alice, uh, the- Sally. Al- Sal- <laughs> Sorry. Sally, she's obviously going to go to my dentist. Her, find her middle name is Alice, clearly. So in order to keep in order to keep Dennis away, our baker should give Sally seven apples. Because as we know, an <laughs> apple a day keeps the doctor away. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This podcast is being released on the 27th of February, which also happens to coincide with the feast day of St. Gregory Narakatsi of Norek. You might be wondering, Jack, who is Gregory? Where is Norek? And how do you pronounce his brother's name spelt? H-O-V-H-A-N-N-E-S. Well, I can answer two of those questions. The Armenian monastery of Norek is located in present-day Turkey in the east. It is to this monastery that Gregory was sent with his brother when he was in his late 20s. Besides this, little is known about Gregory. He was born around the year 950 on the, on the southern shores of Lake Van, the largest lake in present-day Turkey. Then in his 60s, he died and was buried inside the walls of the monastery. St. Gregory is most well known for being the author of of the Book of Lamentations. Keep in mind, this is not the same book that is in the Old Testament. This is a book called the Book of Lamentations. It's a prayer book consisting of 95 chapters. Each chapter is said to have been written for a specific occasion. Someone could be sick, or there could be some other significant event or accident. It is the most popular book in Armenia, second to the Bible. An Armenian writer named Chobanian said the following, The work by Narakatsi is a tempest of feeling, twisting in the eternity, and I don't know any other more powerful work. It is pages in which our poet has reached the force of prophets and pages in which one can sense the spirit of Shakespeare. This work is all mysticism and all lyrics, and Narakatsi has reached the rare state in which he was already suspended of the world, as if He was in a life above the earth and outside the body, there where the earthly things are transformed and where an unearthly vision begins. 
Narakatsi has seen God. So if you've got some spare time on your hands, if you want to find some other prayers to add to your ensemble, listen to Chabanian, pay some respect to Gregory, and grab a copy of the Book of Lamentations. Now this podcast will be finished off by uh, our good friend Bernadette, who will be reciting one of the prayers from the Book of Lamentations. Take it away, Bernadette. The voice of a sighing heart, it sobs and mournful cries. I offer up to you, O seer of secrets, placing the fruits of my wavering mind as a savoury sacrifice on the fire of my grieving soul, to be delivered to you in the censer of my will. Compassionate Lord, breathe in this offering and look more favourably on it than upon a more sumptuous sacrifice offered with rich smoke. Please find this simple string of words acceptable. Do not turn in disdain. May this unsolicited gift reach you, this sacrifice of words, from the deep mystery-filled chamber of my feelings, consumed in flames, fueled by whatever grace I may have within me. As I pray, do not let these pleas annoy you. Almighty, like the raised hands of Jacob, whose irreverence was rebuked by Isaiah. Nor let them seem like the impudence of Babylon criticised in the seven-second psalm. But let these words be acceptable, as were the fragrant offerings in the tabernacle at Shiloh, raised again by David on his return from captivity as the resting place for the Ark of the Covenant, a symbol for the restoration of my lost soul. <laughs>